0: So Psalm 142, Uh, let's just bring us up to speed. Hopefully you remember maybe a little bit from last week or you got caught up on the message online. Um, David was running from King Saul who wanted to kill him. So David is next in line, anointed as king of Israel, and Saul wasn't taking too kindly to that whole understanding. So Saul was ready to take him out. Saul had half of of Israel going after David at this point. God reminded David. So David went to Ahimelech in the land of Nob. This is what we mentioned last week. And as David went there, he talked to Ahimelech, the priest. And he said he needed supplies. So he lied about the reasoning, but he said he needed supplies. He needed bread, and he needed a weapon, and so Ahimelech gave him the bread of presence, the show bread from the tabernacle. Now, this wasn't common bread for everyone, but he ended up giving it to David, and it was a reminder to David that God's presence was always with him. It wasn't merely bread for feeding his hunger, it was bread to feed his soul, to remember that even though he was on the lamb, even though he's on the run, God was with him. And then then Ahimelech said, you know, we only have one piece of weaponry in Nob. And it was the sword. Do you remember, remember whose sword it was? Goliath. Goliath's sword. What a reminder to David. As, as Ahimelech handed David the sword and David could look at it and say, you know what, the last time I touched this thing, I, uh, I gave Goliath a little weight loss program. <laughs> God gave me a victory. I never should have had and it's kind of like David's extra reminder like when he was facing Goliath he said you know what God helped me kill the bear God helped me kill lion as they were attacking the sheep and now he could look back and say you know when God helped me kill Goliath I should have never won that who was I but look what God did God gives reminders just when we need them but here he is in this situation needing to trust god and you know what i'll I'll be open with you and i think david would at this point he would just say to you right now even though god gave me the bread even though god gave me the sword i blew it i blew it because he left here he went to gath which is actually where goliath was from and he panicked instead of trusting in god he acted like he was insane And out of his mind. And so, therefore, people wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't touch him. They're like, this guy's nuts. Let's just get him out of here. And then he took off running. And then from there, he ended up going into a cave. Now, I'm going to pop it up on the screen. It's 1 Samuel 22. It's the first couple verses. This is going to be our launching pad into Psalm 142. But look at what happened now for David. He's on the lamb. He's running for his life. He's still trusting in his own devised plans to get out of a jam. Even though God reminded him, look at what happened. So it said, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So David, running from Saul, acting insane, takes off and ends up in a cave. Now, when you're in a cave, you're all alone. Or at least you hope you're all alone. (laughs) When you're in a cave... You feel like no one even knows you're there. You feel like everyone's against you. You feel like there is no hope. When you're in a cave, you're lonely. Now, I just want to talk heart to heart. Are you there right now? Are you in a cave right now? do you feel isolated you can be around people do you feel isolated do you feel lonely do you feel like hope is fleeting do you feel like maybe people are against you and no one cares so for david this cave was the lowest of lows can i just remind you about two weeks before this this is what was going on in david's life Two weeks before this, you know, David took the head of Goliath on a tour around Israel. I mean, two weeks before this, Saul said, David, I want you to serve in my temple. I want you to serve in my palace. I want you to be a main person. He didn't even go back home. David was touring with the head of Goliath. He was serving in Saul's palace. And then... um, david and jonathan made this covenant remember jonathan said david here's my robe here's my tunic like here's my weaponry i'm for you to be the next king of israel and i'm not going to stand in your way they made this pact. you know just before this there were women singing this song and it was made popular throughout israel and the song was you know saul has slayed his thousands remember how the song went but David, his his tens of thousands. This is just before this, and just before this, Saul said, "David, I want you to be in charge of armies." So David was in charge of thousands of men, and everywhere they went, they kicked tail and they took names. This is right before this. So David was at this mountaintop experience with all of these things going on. He was lined up to be the next king of Israel. And now just weeks later, here's David running for his life. He's all alone. He's in a darkened cave. And you talk about, you know, when I was growing up, the big deal was how fast can the car go from zero to 60? He went from zero to 60 to the height of fame in like 4.5 seconds, boom, he was the man. And now he went from 60 to zero in even less time. He was at the lowest of lows in his life. No security. No food. Darkness. No one to talk to. No hope that anything would ever change For the good for him, you know, this whole anointing to be the next king seemed lost entirely. He literally, friends, he literally had nothing else to hope in. No one else to trust in. Except God. We've all been in a cave. God brings caves. Not to cave us in, but to capture our attention on him. Did you get that? He brings us caves not to cave us in, but to capture our attention and to put it on him. This cave experience drove David, who's a songwriter, to write two songs. They're in your Bible. And one of them is Psalm 142. How about we read it together? So don't picture this as just words on a page. Imagine David huddled in a cave all by himself. And hear his heart as he says these things. They'll be on the screen too if you need the words up there. It's the very highlight of it. It's a maskil. I'm going to mention what that is in a minute. A maskil of David when he was in the cave and it says it's a prayer. So he's talking to God. The psalm is split into two parts. You'll hear them change. He says, I cry. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell of my trouble." When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. I mean, look, see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Can you hear it, folks? Can you see it? Can you experience this with him? Here's where the psalm changes. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry. I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me. They're too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. And the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. Psalm 142. What a psalm. When you understand what he's going through, what an admission. What openness and transparency. So I, I want to mention this. This is, I- I'm going to be open with you right now. I changed my message on Thursday. I had something completely different, and um, God kind of detort me to this psalm and i thought we've got to talk about this today so so why don't we do that i want you to understand one thing a big thing this is this is the truth of the passage and here's what it is god is with you in the cave if you're in a cave today if you've ever been in the cave you will be in a cave god is with you in the cave That's psalm 142 he's there no one else may be there You may feel alone. You may feel like everyone's stacked up against you. You may feel like all hope is lost. God is with you in the cave. And so I just want to share, this is what David experienced. This is what he said when he was in the cave. And I think these are important things for us to remember when we are in our cave of life or when you're helping someone else who's going through a cave of life. These are some truths. I want to give you three things to think about today. Number one is this. It's a play on words but i want you to see it i want you to understand it it's highlight real not the highlight real you with me on that you realize the play on words you realize where we're going you see that the two reels are spelled differently highlight real highlight genuine highlight authentic david got real this was not his highlight real There was no Goliath's head there. There were no singers. There were no soldiers. He was all by himself. And so David just became extremely transparent, extremely vulnerable before us. And so I just want to say, the real stage is backstage. You see me here right now. This is not all of me. You see the singers up here. This is not all of them. The real stage is backstage. The real scene is behind the scenes. The real you is the real you. There's no filters. There's no microphones. There's no stage. There's no backdrops. There's no hair and makeup artists. There's no wardrobe experts. There's no edits. Okay, take two. That wasn't quite perfect. No, the real you is the real you. And so David says in the cave, friends, Highlight real. Be genuine. Be transparent. Be open before God. You know, um, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, or if you're familiar with Handel's Messiah uh, at Christmas time, and the song goes, or Isaiah reads about the Messiah who is coming, and his name is will be called, or if you hear the song in your head, it would be, and his name will be called, Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is the ultimate counselor. And oftentimes in the cave, he brings us over to his counseling couch, and he lays us down, And Jesus wants to work on the real you. He wants to work on the reality of who we really are, not the reality of what people see us to be. Now, I know it's Halloween today. And the big joke in every church is we wear masks just like we do every other week. And it's really not funny. Jesus wants to work on the real you. Not the you that we want people to see. Here's the phrase I have. God wants to work on you, not the character you portray on the stage of life. And to do this, he'll dismiss the hair, makeup, and wardrobe team. No lights, no props, no edits, no scripts, and all the stress will come. And it will expose the real you. And we've all been there. David was here. Can I tell you? Here's what God wants us to do in those times. Highlight real. Notice what David did in the psalm. He was real about his situation with God. I mean, come on, let's not be fake. God knows where we are. And he told him, God, I'm in trouble. There's people that lay snares for me. There's people that want me gone. And I have nowhere to turn at this point in time. God wants to highlight the real reality of our situation. He wants us to highlight the real reality of our feelings. And notice what the psalmist says. He says, I am growing faint like God. I am just about out. And then he continues, he says, there's no one here. Like, look, I love it, he says, look, there's no one here at my right hand. Like, I am all alone. And then he continues, and you know what? No one even cares. Like, who even knows I'm here, God? This is how he feels. Oh, no people knew he was there. But he felt all alone, and he was honest. He was empty. He was bearing his soul. He was crying. And so, you know, when we come to the cave, God knows our situation. He knows where we are. He knows the feelings that we have. And it's so needed, folks, for us to express the reality to God, to be vulnerable with him. It's so necessary for him to see that we acknowledge our total dependency on him, that we're stopping controlling it ourselves. And when we strip down to who we really are, now God can start to do something with us, but only then. So you ever have surgery? Um, so before I came here, I was 45. I remember I went in the doctor's office, and the um, doctor said, hey, what are your symptoms? You know, how are you feeling? I'm like, hey, I feel pretty good. You know, she said, tell me your family history. So I said, oh, you know, I had some friends, or some family that had um, uh, colon cancer, and some family that had heart trouble and she so said, colon cancer? I said, yeah. And so she asked who? Oh, my grandma and different things like that. And she says, well, congratulations. I said, you've just earned your first colonoscopy. <laughs> and if you've been there, you know what these are like. And so she made all the arrangements and so I went in there. And you know, I'm kind of looking how I am now on prep morning and I, and I walk in. And it all needs to go and I've been with a lot of other people that have had surgery right before they go in and you know they they get rid of all this stuff they give you a little gown that doesn't quite reach in the back that's why they call that wing of the hospital (laughs) ICU and and you go in and then right before you get in there they they no jewelry Jewelry comes off. And they'll ask you, do you have false teeth? It comes out. Contacts, they're gone. So here you see some people. You know, it is not the pretty us. And you're all stripped down to nothing. And now they say, now we can help you. Now we can really help you. We couldn't really help you before when you're trying to look all glamorous going for a beauty contest. Now I can help. And this is what God does, folks. He doesn't want to work on this stage you. He wants to work on the real you. And he puts us in a cave. And he strips us of everything else. And if we're honest with him, he says, I can help. I can help you. Here's the other thing. Um, you know, the cave is God's counseling couch <laughs> to highlight the real you. Here's the second thing from Psalm 142. Man, it's good. Because when we're open, we highlight real. The second thing is we we be hopeful in him. This is what he wants. So here the psalm changes its tune. And you can hear that shift in the middle because all of a sudden he he begins to realize this so stick with me before this point david's like how can i get out of my jam what can i do i know i'll act crazy i know i'll lie to ahimelech and so here he is manipulating his way through life to get himself out of a jam you see his dependence in me How can I figure this out? How can I work it out? What can I do? And then God says, boom, we're taking it all down. And now notice David's tune, because he says right here, God, verse 5, you're my refuge. This cave is not my refuge. My ingenuity is not my refuge. It's you. He says in verse 6, you're my rescue. Rescue me. Like, I'm not going to be able to figure it all out on my own. Like, it's not my idea, not my plan. God, you're my rescue. Here he is enslaved in a cave, and he says, God, you're my freedom. Set me free from my prison. Then he gets to the very end, and you know he's dealing with a whole nation that is not good. He's dealing with a king that is not good. And he looks and he says, but God... You're good. The righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. And you can see now that he's stripped down to the very end, he realizes this important truth I want to give you right here. The end of hope in ourselves is the beginning of hope in God. The end of hope in ourselves is the beginning of hope in God. Because, you know, if we don't come to that end, if we're constantly saying, you know, I can lie my way out of this. I can manipulate my way through this. I can politically maneuver things to work this out my way. I can say things that will sculpt this in such a way I can get out. I can act a certain way. The longer we hope in us and our plan... And our way, the longer we delay genuine hope in God. So the end of hope in ourselves is the beginning of hope in God. David finally came to this point. And if we don't come to this point, we'll always be hoping, trusting, believing that somehow, some way, we will work it out on our own. And I just want to share with you, it is a good thing to come to the end of ourselves. You with me? Amen? Amen. It's a good thing. We need to come to the end of ourselves. We can't rescue ourselves. That's what Christianity is all about. Like, if we could rescue ourselves, why are we worshiping Jesus? We'd be worshiping self. We don't have the resources to recover ourselves. We can't wrestle or manipulate our way through life. We are completely and utterly powerless to advance our own self, apart from Jesus Christ. Someone needs to pull the plug and drain us of self before he can fill us with him. So I say this, God won't fill someone who's already full of himself. He won't. God won't fill someone who's full of themselves, who thinks they can work their way out, manipulate their way out, conceive a plan that goes apart from his design. So how did God decide decide to begin to care for David's needs? I just love this answer to prayer. So you hear David cry out, God help me, I have no way out of this, Nothing's nothing's gonna rescue me apart from you. I realize I'm a goner. And so here we come back to 1 Samuel 22. Here's God's resolution. Here's God's answer to his cry and his prayer from that psalm. 1 Samuel 22, 1-2. to We already read it earlier. Watch what happened. So David left Gath, escaped to the cave of Adullam. And guess who came? Look at God's answer to prayer. This is kind of cool. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to meet him there. So I'm gonna hit the pause button here. So the last time, all we know of David's experience with his dad and his brothers, number one, was when Samuel came to pick who the next king would be and guess where David was? David was out in the pasture. He was the forgotten one. Like, who cares about David? Look at all these other sons I have. They're the awesome ones. And Samuel's like, no, no, no. Do you have any others? Oh, yeah, there's Davy out watching the sheep. Well, bring him in. He was the forgotten son. He was the low man on the totem pole. That's who he was with his family. His last contact, we know with David and his brothers was with Goliath. And guess what his oldest brother said. "What are you doing here? You're just trying to get in on the action. Why don't you back watching the few sheep that you got right there, little guy? He's mocking David. That's the last interaction because after that, David goes into King Saul's palace and serves there away from his family. We don't see anything else. And so God says, You know what, David? I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to answer your cry. Probably in a way you never expected. Here's your family. And they come and meet him there. And then notice who else, second half of that section of passage. All those who were in distress. So this is who else comes. This is hilarious all those other people of israel who were in distress in debt so if that were america basically all of america would be in the cave with him right now or discontented gathered around him so he was getting all the outcasts now i love this because they make up his army and he became their commander about 400 men were with him so i love this you know we see the pictures of uncle sam pointing his finger, and Uncle Sam says, I need you, you know? Looking like, I need you, you tough people, to come and serve me in the military. This wasn't that. This was more like the Statue of Liberty. Give me your poor. Give me your tired, your huddled masses. Like, this was that experience. And so the word in distress... What were these people like? They were people under pressure. They were under stress. They were people debt who were lending on interest. They had a number of creditors. If they had a cell phone in that day, they were getting call after call after call. Letter, they were probably getting someone to come to their home. Here's a summons for you. And so they're like, we are out of here. And they were running away from creditors And then it mentions discontented. The word means bitterness of soul. They were wronged or they were mistreated. They were upset with their situation. These are all the people that came to David. So this is kind of ironic. Because David's last experience with an army, he had the armies of Saul. Here he was, the big guy, with a thousand men, all trained, all fortified with weapons. That was the last army that he led, and now all of a sudden, here he is in a cave. His family shows up, and then all the riffraff no, no military training, no weaponry, no, no armor. Here's, here's all the riffraff of Israel, and God says, Okay, I'm answering your prayer. I'm like, what? And it shows you some of the tools God's using in the cave are kind of primitive. (laughs) You know? You ever pray to God and you have your answer up here? Okay, God. I'm praying to you. And I'm also telling you how I'd like you to answer it. And God says, yeah, nah. I want to show you what I can do. Not what you think is the best thing. Some of God's tools are primitive. And when we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the end of our manipulation, and we start to hope in God. Friends, we know we're doing that when we say, okay. I'm going to use your tools. I'm going to do it your way. This isn't my plan. This isn't my idea. This isn't how I would have constructed it. But God, I trust you. I'm going to do it your way. So in the cave, David's confidence grew. In God. Where are you at today? Where are you really? I don't want your highlight reel. I want you to highlight real. Where are you at today? Feeling empty? Lonely? Hitting your head against the wall? How will I ever work this out? Are you in a cave? Are you caving in? Your best resources come when you are empty of your own. So I'm going to give you two things and we'll finish. Number 1. A question. Do you highlight real? Do you? Do you highlight real or are you still highlight reels? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Man, I had a great situation this week. Yeah, I, this other thing. Yeah, my car is awesome. That's the highlight reel. Do you highlight reel? Are you genuine? Are you transparent? Are you open? And I'm going to say two things. Number one, you need to be open with God. Like, really? You think we can pull a fast one over on God with our highlight reel? <laughs> we need to be honest with God. That's that's where a relationship with God is. Be honest with him. That's the easier one. I'm going to tell you number two. You need to be honest with someone else. That's why we have this thing going on here called the church. We need to be open. Honesty kills sin. Sin exposing ourself suffocates our own plans and ends and i would tell you right now one of the best things you can do is open up in a small group or to someone a guy or a gal that you're connected with and share that you highlight real No more phony baloney. Your escape from ensnarement is transparency. To hide it and protect it means delayed rescue. Expose it. Highlight where you're at. Highlight real. Here's number two What does God want to craft in your cave? That's interesting. What does God want to craft in your cave? What is found that he's trying to strip you of? And maybe it's that manipulation, that acting, that lying, the gossip or the slander or the coping mechanisms or the addictions that I latch on to to get me by. God wants to say, no, we're done with those. We are done. What does God want to highlight and craft in your cave. And where we finish today is there's no way through without hoping in him. This is the heart of Christianity. We've all come together today. We've all sung about one person and it's Jesus. Because we come together under one belief. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You with me? No one comes to the Father but by him alone. We're not here saying we can do it. If we believe in ourselves, we can do it. No. The heart of Christianity says we can't do it. Our hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me. Amen? So here's where we're at, friend. In your cave. Can we acknowledge God? I'm not hoping in me hoping in you. I'm going to trust you. Whatever primitive tools you bring me, they're enough because they're from you. And there's one primitive tool I'm going to tell you that'll change your life forever. It's an old wooden cross. And some of you are wondering how in the world will I ever be forgiven? How in the world could I ever go to heaven? How could I ever have relationship with God because I have screwed it up? over and over and over again. And there's the most primitive tool because on that cross, Jesus hung and died as the perfect God-man to bear the punishment for our sin. And that's where we abandon our ingenuity. No, I think I can be good enough. If I go to church enough, you know, I have great family history about God. None of that will get you there. None of that will earn an inch closer to God. The only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ to believe that he died as your rescuer, as your forgiver, and as your leader. And that's where it all starts. You with me on this? That's where it all starts. Would you stand with me? In your head and in your heart, with your eyes closed, are you highlighting real? Or are you all about the highlight real? I encourage you to be honest with God and be honest with someone else. Let God craft you in the cave. He's got something special he wants to do. And it only happens through him. So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you have us right where you want us. And on that counseling couch, may Jesus counsel us honestly and openly. Help us to be transparent, open, expose the darkness with your light. Change us. God, renew our confidence and hope in you, and stop and abandon. Our reliance in self, in politics, in our ingenuity, but to hope in you. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the conquering name of Jesus, in the rescuing, saving name of Jesus, we all pray together. Amen. 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 Our hope is in the Lord. Have a great, great, great day. God bless you.